Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Prodigal and the Priest and me, March the 12th. March the 12th. March the 12th. March the 12th? March the 11th. Well, this comes out on March the 12th, so you just blew that. Well, Thank there you. it is. Pull back the curtain. <laughs> uh, we record the day before. Usually we record like the week earlier before, but we've been switching around because of uh, I'm spending... <laughs> You're yeah. still with this tea, drinking this tea every time <laughs> is causing even a drink problem. There, it was just an about to drink. I took like the the pre drink breath. Um, I don't even know what that means, but that's great. Um, so, yes, this is coming out. You're listening to this on March 12th or later, and we're excited. This is where we answer the burning questions of our friends, our listeners, our comrades of our age. Yeah, so. We are here to do that. If you would like to submit a question, you can do that a, one of a few ways. You can um, go to stanamparish.org slash PTP. You could go to um, email us directly at prodigal and the priest and me. No, <laughs> I'm butchering this. Prodigal and the priest at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. So let's jump into it because we got stuff to do around this church and whip it into shape. And so first question, things. things. This is from first name, last name. That's what they put as their Solid. first name, last name. I actually chuckled. So whoever yeah. you are, great job. Um, I've heard this explanation for our beliefs about saints and our prayers to them, colon. We believe our petitions to saints are simply permitted by God, the same way we ask our friends on earth to pray for us. Assuming you all agree with this statement, my question to you is, to what extent do saints then share in the omnipresence, omnipotence of God and all those things? So, um, Thoughts? It's a good question. It's yeah. a really thoughtful question. Um, I don't think saints share in the omnipresence of God, right? Because uh, God is, as the, you know, the infinite one and the ground of all being, like He is everywhere and in everything. That's not the same thing as pantheism, right? Like this table is not God, uh, that tree is not God, um, but God is everywhere. Saints are are not. Um, uh, especially when we have the resurrection of the body and they have bodies right now. They're, they're not embodied except for Mary um, and Jesus, of course, but he's not exactly a saint. He's something, <laughs> something greater. Right. Um, so anyway, to the question. Um, yes, that's a good way to look at it. Um, that uh, our, our prayers to saints are like, asking me asking you for prayer um that's a that's a really good way to look at there's another sort of layer i would add to that which is that god really likes to work through instrumental causes through intermediaries um that's why he does things like sends angels um Mm -hmm. as messengers and i mean like when you really start to think about like but are they necessary are angels necessary? Are is any intermediary necessary? No, 
like yeah. God chooses to, and he does so um, because it elevates and ennobles his creation yeah. by making that a part of this process. Like right. he wants to, you know, God can work in the heart of someone uh, to lead them to conversion uh, or to faith in him um, by his grace working invisibly. But he really seems to like to like make use of us as his instruments to spread his gospel. Like there's something something really important. It's not just like, well, I mean, if you want, you can go and spread his gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of kind of makes it contingent on our cooperation sometimes, right? Um, just like with the incarnation itself, right? Uh, God could have chosen to save us any number of ways He wanted. He could have just declared us saved. Instead, he chose the path of becoming one of us and dying on the cross. Could have done the and Thanos, just snap the, the Thanos. Yeah, the reverse Thanos. <laughs> like just snap the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how that would work, but yeah. Just flip. The one-hand clap? <laughs> you know I can one-hand clap, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, no, so does everybody else. There you go. Um, but, like, he makes his plan for salvation contingent on Mary's yes to the request of the angel. So there's two intermediaries there, the angel giving his message and Mary saying yes. And like the St. Bernard, for instance, has this beautiful reflection on like all creation was waiting, holding their breath uh, for Mary's response. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's just to give some setup uh, to show like why it also makes sense that God would, entrust intercession for certain causes and for certain groups and stuff like that to certain saints. Um, They are like family. They're actually family (laughs) um, for us. And so that part makes sense. Why does God allow it? So that he can elevate his uh, creation um, to playing a part in uh, the mystery of bringing about salvation. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, but there also is the fact too that, we a hundred. We don't know a hundred percent how this works because none of us has been to heaven. And yeah, speak for yourself. Now, but yeah, you know, now they're caught up to the third one one time. Right. Or, oh wait, that was the other Paul. <laughs> that was the other Paul. Um, and not that. I I don't want to minimize either. I mean, this is the reason though we point towards purgatory in the aspect of you know being a hundred percent purified yeah. before we're so. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, it is a little different than me, a flawed human, saying, hey, Joey, will you pray for me? Mm-hmm. And I could forget. Maybe I don't do it in that moment. Maybe I never do it compared to uh, a more perfect being that's now united in heaven with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So just toss in those things. Yeah, one more thing. I almost forgot the second part of the question. Mm-hmm. Like omnipresence, no, but omniscience, yeah, right? God... God has knowledge of all things. He's omniscient. He has omniscience, omniscience, all yeah. the science. Um, science just means knowledge in Latin. And so omniscience. Yeah, well, the, I'm trying to find the question. I already yeah, yeah, it. It no, was it, three things. Omnipresent, it. omnipotent, and... Yeah, omnipotent is all-powerful. And all... What was the last one you just... Omniscience. Put? Yeah. Yeah. So those three. Yeah, omniscience, all knowledge. So omniscience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so saints saints are not uh like like an omnibus in uh, mm-hmm. in Europe. England, whatever. Anyway, yeah. no one knows what that is. Um saints 
this is what St. Thomas Aquinas would say in his Summa about the knowledge of the saints. He says that the saints in heaven have the beatific vision. They behold the vision of God. And uh, that doesn't mean that they have full knowledge of everything like God does, uh, but that they see all things in God. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, like he'll, he'll widen or narrow the scope um, of how much they know about what's going on on earth. Um, and it's this whole mystery of the beatific vision. Kind of hard to explain. It's quite speculative, but St. Thomas always has good reasons for saying what he's saying because he's thinking about how we work and how we're made and how we receive knowledge and stuff like that and, and what's different right. um, with the beatific vision in heaven versus uh, knowing in the various ways we know things here. Um, so point is, no, they're not omniscient like God is, but it would make sense if they were entrusted, say, like St. Blaise, with, um, uh, as the patron of uh, sore throats and healthy throats. Um, it would make sense if uh, you know he was granted particular knowledge of those who were asking for his intercession, at least, right? Right. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a mystery. Really good question. Yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas could explain that a lot better than me. Well, um, when you get to heaven. But I think I did him. okay. Yeah. I don't know. Good job. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, okay. Jean Paul says. So this is, I won't is say this is. Jean Paul or is it Jean Paul? Jean Paul. Jean Paul. So. This isn't, I wouldn't say this is a negative response to one of our things, but I, I want to also share that not everybody always agrees with what we say, slash people like to share their opinions as well. Half of the time we get comments, questions in the question box that aren't questions are just like, keep up the good work, or you guys really mess that one up, or I don't agree with you, or things like that. But yeah. I've never I, had someone disagree with me. I don't know what that feels yeah, like. Yeah, right. Um, I want to bring up this one because I thought about this a little bit after we answer this question. Okay. So let me go back though, before his comment to remember when our friend Jack yeah. asked his question about, I, I was well, and then back from there, we had talked in an episode about Christmas and saying, man, I struggle with people coming to church who that's not the event they really mm -hmm. need. Mm -hmm. We need like a pre-evangelization event. Jack tossed out, well, we have that in the Liturgy of the Hours, different things. Remember, we talked a little bit about this. So uh, Jean-Paul says, mm, fellas, so when he says John, I think it's Jack, yeah, teed it's up a question on the Liturgy of the Hours. He came back with a bunt that didn't make it to the pitcher's mound. Father Paul, really? This is from the guy who brings such a rich nuance to the homily and the liturgy of the word. Didn't even speak to why it's liturgy. This was probably the first truly dumbed-down answer to a profound opportunity to embrace a call Solid. to prayer for the gazillion of people burdened by the time in the midst of a pandemic and closing uh, a link to the description of liturgy of the hours. Um with everything you two could have said about the liturgy of the hours. Now, mm. it's interesting okay. that John Paul says that because I wanted to bring up that I thought we missed because I actually don't think the pre-evangelized people 
would really engage. Like, I don't think that was an opportunity for them either. You know, somebody offered that as an answer. And I think we talked about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But even to say, I don't think if I had someone like I've talked about before, my neighbor Scott, right? Mm -hmm. Guy who most of the time we talk and, you know, he's holding a beer and a cigarette and he, no thought of God. And we begin, I'm not going to say, hey, you want to pray the liturgy of the hours? Like, I think this is a real pre-evangelization opportunity. Mm. And that's for me saying that mm-hmm. compared to coming to something that is um, really designed for somebody like Scott to say it's engaging. Maybe there's a meal around it. There's good conversation. You know, um, maybe there is an element of faith in the beginning. Maybe there's not. Maybe it's just a really well done talk and that there's an opportunity for him to share and ask questions and things like that. So I actually think we missed the mark on the question because of that. John Paul, who uh, thinks we missed the mark on kind of the explanation of the liturgy of the hours. Could have said more. Yeah. So thoughts? Although, well, first thought, the bunt that didn't make it to the pitcher's mound, (laughs) I don't think it's supposed to make it to the pitcher's mound. Oh, coming back Bam. strong. <laughs> yes, it's actually not supposed to make it to the pitcher's mound. It's supposed to be but to first do, base or third base line. I do really appreciate the uh, the way he worked in uh, like faith and sports. Um, those that was actually really funny. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for... Okay. Yeah. There... Let me start with the liturgy of the hours, and then I'll. And he says a bunch thing. of other things, but it's a really long. We don't have time to read okay. this. This, um, you know. Yeah. Um, first of all, the liturgy of the hours is, I mean, the divine office is tremendous. Uh, for me, it was one of the things that took my faith into this whole other echelon of lived reality. Um, and I have experienced it in so many different contexts. Uh, in particular, I think uh, what John Paul was referring to was was things like monastic contexts where where it's really done beautifully and it draws you into this this mystery of the Psalms and of Christ who speaks His word um, through us <laughs> as mm-hmm. we're singing His word and and praying the Psalms and just this tremendous extension of the liturgy throughout space and time right that you get in that i think if you did bring somebody like scott to something that was so beautiful yeah that there would be and that's that's probably where jack was coming from because i think in the east right in the east it's done up communally uh with music and of course incense and bells i'm assuming and um like it would be a sort of transformative event through its beauty. Right. That wasn't a mass. Right. Um, I think there so would be that's intrigue that's to the thing. sacredness but, and the beauty. But what you're getting at is like, yeah, so that, that intrigue, right? It can captivate you. It yeah, can take th- but you. But he's then not like, hearing the gospel message. Right. That Jesus died and loves you, right? right? Died for you and loves you. So, yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. So so then like pre-catechumenal <laughs> pre-catechumenal things. So... By catechumen, right, we mean someone who is studying the faith actively with a desire to become a Catholic. Right, non-baptized. Yeah, someone who has a desire to be baptized and has been formally accepted into this this sort of process um, whereby they move towards baptism. Someone who is pre-catechumenal 
is someone who you might say is just sort of generically seeking. Yeah. Um, or even specifically seeking, but not sure what or not sure about things like right. there, there hasn't been a turn to where they have come to a point where they're ready to entrust their life to Jesus Christ and to his body, the church. Um, so one thing that we have at St. Anne that is particularly apt, um, suited for for inviting those who are seeking in that way, who have questions, is we have a program called Alpha here. Um, it's the first step of our discipleship pathway. It's not the last step um, uh, by any means, but we can sometimes describe it as like a front porch kind of thing to the church. Like maybe somebody's not ready to walk inside the church to attend mass or mm-hmm. or a beautiful celebration of the Lord to the hours of the divine office. Yeah. Um, but they kind of want to be around the church, like in this sort of loose orbit. Um, or they were just even invited by yeah, a friend who said, invited. hey, I'm going to this thing. Why don't you it's, come with me? It's, you it's know? incredible how many people will accept an invitation um, and the, statis- the statistics on um, like how few people actually invite people to things are kind of shocking in light of the statistics on how many people will accept an invitation. Um, so, yeah, at St. Anne, we have this thing uh, called Alpha where it takes a lot of the burden off of those doing the inviting mm-hmm. um, and makes it much easier for them to accompany somebody, uh, to walk alongside them, to be with them. Um, but not have to answer all their questions or feel like everything depends on them. Right. Um, well, you're, you're bringing them into the community here, yeah. and that's a that's kind of a an atrium <laughs> or or like a front porch space where people can kind of get comfortable with the community, have some questions answered in normal times, enjoy a meal. Right, uh, right now we do alpha over Zoom, and it, it works quite well. But really a center point of, of Alpha in person in normal times was the meal. Uh, the food was pretty good. And it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I thought of more about the Christmas one. I'll just toss this out and we yeah. can move on. I mean, how cool would it be? And I'm sure there's objections. And I hope um, Jean-Paul doesn't think we're, you know, taking his, you know, uh, question lightly or not addressing it. Like we no, appreciate, no, no, appreciate really the good. feedback, all of that. Yeah. And, uh, we always appreciate it, people that disagree. It would take a whole episode yeah. to go into, to really like how tremendous and yeah. important, right. uh, the Lord to the hours is. And there's been people who haven't been as nice as Jean Paul and just rude. And we're not going to probably respond to your questions ever. So, um, okay. <laughs> but I don't, I control, I don't the look at the questions anyway, very much. So, although I do send them to you if somebody is like, just like rude and I'm like, can you believe this person? <laughs> so, um, but and then we laugh. Yeah. But thinking about Christmas, right. You know, I think about an opportunity where there's, sacred Christmas carols that are beautifully done, Mm -hmm. like a message about literally the savior of the world coming in, being born in a feeding trough to ultimately feed us through the Eucharist. Like there's ways to craft a message and an event that Mm -hmm. we're not even saying like for that one is, is going to capture. And I can say like, Scott, Hey Scott, these are awesome Christmas carols and things beautifully done. Why don't you, you know, and your mm-hmm. wife come, 
So, you know, it's looking for those opportunities that I think yeah. sometimes we forget about and we say, well, the mass will capture them or this will capture them. And, right, and, right. and just also thinking outside of the box of those people who, um, yeah, they haven't even really encountered the person of Jesus Christ and even, even know like, yeah, why did Jesus exist? You know, um, those, mm-hmm. a lot of those basic things. So anyway. Thanks, Jean-Paul. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, really, really good question, Jean-Paul. Um, okay, let's jump to this, because I made a note about this one last night. Uh, Brian asks, it's time to settle the debate once and for all. Which is better, Benedictine chant or Gregorian chant? Also, what are the differences between the two? And are there other types? <laughs> I'm like, wait, is it debate uh, if we don't know the difference? So I... I think you know this about me before uh, going to Franciscan and doing net. I actually studied music for a little bit. I don't know if you ever knew no, that about me. Yeah. Yeah. Classical you guitar. Hide it well, yeah, thank you. Classical <laughs> guitar. So I took Kidding. a few music classes okay. and I actually went to my shelf to look up a few things. And I, there was a section in one of the books I remember on music theory that we're doing on Gregorian chant. And mm-hmm. I remember writing down this. So I wrote down three types of Gregorian chant. Um, there's syllabic, pneumatic, and melismatic. Usually they can be easily distinguished from one number by the number of notes that are sung per syllable. Mm -hmm. So in syllabic chant, each syllable has its own note. Pneumatic chant, each syllable is sung to a small group of notes called a neum. Yep. And in melismatic chant, each syllable may be sung to a long succession of notes, perhaps as many as 10 or 20. So I pulled that from back in the the early, no, not early 90s, probably late, not early 2000s. Early 70s. (laughs) Um, I pulled that from a notebook of mine for music theory. Um, I don't think there's actually... Benedictine and Gregorian is just the orders associated with it, right? Like, like kind of who does it, not so much what they all yeah. sing Gregorian chant, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Brian, it's a, it's a good question, but want to clarify yeah. a little bit. Um, I love the way it was framed. Finally, time to settle the debate, but I don't think there is a debate because like <laughs> Benedictines sing Gregorian chant. Right, right. Um, I was like, I don't have anything on Benedictine. I think it's just yeah. Benedictine singing Gregorian there, chant. There is, if you want to make a debate, you can. Uh, <laughs> no, we when, don't. When you, no, <laughs> when you go kidding. deeper. Because um, like, so the breviary, for instance, the breviary is, is another word for the book that has the liturgy of the hours in it. And that is something that like as much as that orders my life, um, and I've made a promise to pray it with and for the the people of the church. Like it really orders um, the life of Benedictine monks, mm. um, so much so that they actually they follow kind of a different order uh, to the Psalms. Um, they have a lot more Psalms. They use them in different orders. They follow kind of the the order of Psalms that Saint Benedict wrote in his rule. Um, which is you're you're mostly counting through um, from you know one to fifty, but then on certain days there's different things. Um, it's a little more thematically done um, and shorter. Any anyway, uh, the point is like you could pit those two against each other mm. and say like according to the Roman breviary um, or according to the Benedictine breviary, right? 
uh, who is better. But they're both using Gregorian chant. chant it would just yeah. be slight differences, even in in yeah, in in some like in the Salve Regina, the Solemn Salve. Like there's a there's a sort of Benedictine form to it and a Roman form. Or you rather than Benedict, a monastic form. So and a Roman to form. settle the debate, who do you like? Which oh, one? Roman, because because uh, I'm not a monk. No, there you go. I, I like the monks a lot, um, but when it comes to the breviary, I like the Roman breviary over the monastic breviary. Just just where I'm at. Right. Um, awesome. Settling the debate. Settling the debate. Thanks, Brian. Um, also, really, you weren't impressed with me looking up like from the early 2000s my music theory. I am Come impressed. on. I gotta no, it, get, and, you gotta toss me a bone and, every and now that's and that's a then. good that's a good sort of description of the different ways that Gregorian chant will sound like like what you said about um, syllabic chant like that's saying like I will go to the altar of God like like everything that. Like, has like a each, bum, 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 each bum, thing bum. Um, gets its own note whereas I will go to the altar of God something like that that would be numismatic. And melismatic is where you just really dwell on um, on one syllable while you're just like, moving up I will and down. go to the altar of the God. No, no, no. <laughs> no, like the complete opposite of that. Um, like, I don't know. I could pull up an example. Yeah, right but they're here. not going to be able to hear it. <laughs> no, I was going to sing it. So oh. like something in the gradual. Um, the gradual is, uh, is like a very... Here, let's just... Um, Christmas, gradual, okay. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, like one word, yeah, like you, multiple. You hear like, like, like omnes there, it's just... It's like at the end of... Uh, that's just one syllable. One's the end... Is it the end of, I'm blanking now. No, the end of Easter where we're like, Alleluia. I know, I know, I know. But you know <laughs> yes, what I mean? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the that's deacon exactly, and it's yeah, like, the double oh, one. I want to hear this. The double one that you say all the way through yeah. the uh, Easter octave. The right. A word. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Melismatic. There you go. All right. Thanks, Brian. I'm going to save, there's one about St. Joseph. I'm going to save for next time because that will be then coming out on the Feast of St. Joseph. I'm going to jump to Gary for our last question here. Okay, remember, we only have a few minutes, okay? I want to preface this. (laughs) Gentlemen, what can you tell me about Melchizedek? (laughs) Um, I hope I spelled his name right. I hear him mentioned frequently, but I've not seen much information on who he was, what he did. Part two. Can you recommend a book on angels, not the baseball team? Thanks. Mm. Uh, There is a book on angels that we had to read in one of my classes. Let me look up that title while you hit on Melchizedek. Melchizedek, Isn't that that like such a fun name to say? It's a pretty good name. Um, I want a rapper to take that name. Actually, yeah. That would be kind Kind of cool. Okay, um, go ahead. So he shows up in... What's the chapter? Genesis like 16 or something. Um, He shows up once in the Old Testament very briefly, but with this mysterious thing where Abraham pays him a tithe. And Abraham's kind of a big deal at that point, um, but you don't pay a tithe, a tithe, (laughs) a tenth of all that you have uh, to someone who is subordinate to you. You pay it to a superior. Um, 
So that's already a big thing. And the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament takes that theme up and develops it. Um, that's pretty much all we have on Melchizedek, uh, except for the, uh, you know, I should know this because you are a priest forever according to the line of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, right? Yeah. Is that from Hebrews or is that from a psalm? It sounds like it should be from a psalm, but I don't remember a psalm that says Melchizedek. Oh, yeah, of course I do. Um, yeah. It's it like is psalm from two. Hebrews 7.17. Dang it. Okay. Oh, although there is another thing that says here later on. Psalm 2 or Psalm 110? Psalm 110. Yes, four. got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of, but you doubted yourself, so I'm not going to give it to yeah, you. Yeah, those royal psalms. <laughs> so um, seven Hebrews 7.17 and Psalm 110.4. Yeah, there are other non-biblical but ancient documents written, um, like in in Judaism, right? Riffing off this mysterious character Melchizedek. There's something. Oh, I think it might be a dead Dead Sea Scroll, like eleven Q Melchizedek. So from the eleventh cave at Qumran, um, something about Melchizedek. I don't remember what it says, um, and so like. With some of those kind of intertestamental texts, like the texts that are happening close to the time of Jesus, but are not part of the like canonical and inspired biblical text, mm-hmm. they can be interesting and useful to read, but you also want to read them in the same kind of way that you would read things like the Gnostic Gospels, right? That like, this does not infallibly contain our faith, but it does show what people were saying at the time. Yeah. And so... There are ancient documents like that on Melchizedek. Beyond that... But he's so important to the priesthood because... Yeah, because you were a priest forever according to the line of Melchizedek and because right. of That's what Hebrews says. ordination, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and because Jesus Christ is called from Hebrews a priest uh, without beginning or end according to the uh, line of Melchizedek. Um, Fulton Sheen in his The Priest is Not His Own certainly says things about the priesthood of Melchizedek. I don't remember what they are because it's been a while since I've read it, um, but I know for sure that he does. And it's a really good book, too. You had a book on ancient sorry. If you hear crinkling, it's Father Paul holding in a Rubik's Cube that he stole from my office and not supposed to have access to. Anyway, yeah, on the angels, I do remember I took, um, I don't know your opinion on them. I, I thought... He was a great professor. I don't even know if you heard him, um, heard of him, uh, Dr. Mark Miravalli. Um, so he's written a yeah, lot on Mary and mm-hmm. a lot on the angels. He used to to- teach two classes at Francis- Franciscan University, Mariology and Angelology. Mm-hmm. And um, I've given out his books a lot and loaned it to people. I actually loaned this book. So if you're listening and have my book, you need to return it, okay? Um, but he came out with one uh, that's... If you give it to at. me, I'll break into Joey's office and just put, put it, it on. <laughs> it's called Time to Meet the Angels by Mark Miravalli. Um, I recommend it. It's, it's, it's a good beginner book on it. Um, and uh, just talks about like, this is time to appreciate, befriend, love these heavenly beings. Um, yeah. Uh, who already know and love us. And so mm-hmm. um, I would start there. And sounds that sounds to me like a great place to start. I haven't read the book, but I have heard of him and I've read some stuff by him and I think he's, he's very good. Um, yeah. So he was kind of known for the whole, uh, he was a proponent of the adding another Marian dogma 
mediatrix of all yeah. graces. We can get into that yeah, another time, but that's where you probably heard him. I know okay. he talked to John Paul II a few times about that. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So, um, Saint John Paul II the Great. Sorry. All right. Uh, yeah. If you're looking for something uh, after that, either follow his sources. That's always a great way to do follow-up work is to like look at what he's citing in the footnotes or the endnotes, um, especially on a kind of popular level book like that. Because he's he's citing other stuff, yep. which will be like next step and next step. Saint Thomas Aquinas has a whole treatise on the angels, which if you're ready to just dive into that or mm. do that through some sort of commentary, like uh, Father Garrigou Lagrange has a whole series of of sort of early 20th century commentaries on Saint Thomas. Like yeah. like that's sort of at the the other end of like the accessibility <laughs> spectrum. Like right. like. You have entry level, and then you've got like St. Thomas, who's going to be pretty complex unless you're used to reading him. I don't know anything in the middle, uh, yeah. but I'm sure in the end notes and sources yeah. of the Miravalli book, you'd find it. Yeah. So on that, what do you think? I feel like we we did a lot today. We did. Yeah. And I bogged this down numerous times. Yeah. Uh, had to had to push through. So but we I appreciate everybody. And you solved the Rubik's cube. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next time we see no, two times from now when we see y'all, feast of Saint Joseph, Solemnity. during the year of Saint Joseph. Also, it's gonna be awesome. Meet Friday, but don't meet scandalize Friday. anybody. Yes, because not everybody knows. But just go to town. <laughs> 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 All right, for, for behalf of Joey Scansella, Father Paul Beckner, take care. God bless.